Welcome to Light Treason News, pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric Smith. Oh, boy. Oh, man. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I feel great. Yeah, you feel great. <laughs> I'm so happy I've for refreshed. You. I got up early. Shut up. I did work. Shut <laughs> up. I'm very hungover, guys. But it's going to be a great episode, and you know why? Today, what? it's Monday, so that means I have an interview for you all. Ooh, who's it with? It is with the great Mike Drucker. Oh, man. Great comedy writer. He's pretty much written for everywhere. Right He's... now, he is a writer for Samantha Bee. Yeah, that's true. He's so yes. funny. Have you seen him do stand-up? Of course I've seen Mike Drucker do stand-up. His stand-up is so good. I've known Mike Drucker many, 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 many years. Well, that doesn't... I mean, knowing him for a long time doesn't necessarily lend itself to you having seen him do stand-up. Okay, yes, I've seen him do stand-up. Okay. He's great. He's so... I. The first time I saw him do stand-up, I knew he was going to be funny because I had seen him like write for a bunch of places. Yes. And then he got... He just crushed. Yeah. He's yeah. extremely funny. You should follow him on Twitter, at Mike Drucker. Uh, we talk about a whole bunch of stuff. We talk about uh, a lot about the Versace... Uh, <laughs> television series that was just out <laughs> and about our obsession with true crime it's a very fun nice. interview you know what you've convinced me i think i'll listen to it thank you jesus christ penny wow. we just started the episode calm down that's my little cat penny she's already mad penny since that's uh there was attention being paid elsewhere she's like are you talking about mike trucker not me what's wow. happening right now mm. so while we're in the pop culture section eric oh no Oh, no. <laughs> That's not a good response. Uh, is there anything you're watching, reading, or listening to right now that you want to recommend to everyone? Here's the thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't... I'm trying to think. I'm very busy, so I haven't been uh, consuming as much media. Um, and usually when I do, for some reason, I always just watch things that I've already watched before yes and i i don't know why i keep falling into that trap i think it's just because i don't want the pressure of having to like actually pay attention to it uh-huh um let's see what am i i'm trying to think of stuff that i haven't recommended before okay um what have i been watching recently that i haven't recommended before you know i've been watching it's not i think it's actually an interesting show but i kind of just like this stuff but I, I, i've uh, been going through this um mini series on hulu called the looming tower Yes, 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 yes. I saw uh, many advertisements for it's that. It's actually interesting. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't, unlike a lot of stuff that's about that time period, uh -huh. the whole, uh, it's based on a book, and the whole book and the whole series are not really, you know, it revolves around all the events leading up to 9-11, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it involves like, you know, the terrorist organizations and stuff, but it's not really about that. The actual point of the show is about how much the FBI and the CIA hate each other and like yes. won't work together. Yes. And um, I, I also tweeted when I first started watching it, I, I tweeted out that my my understanding from watching this show is that 9-11 happened because everybody in the government was too busy fucking each other sure. to get anything done. Hot, that's, hot sex, yeah. Like the first, there's just like so much sex yes between government officials sure. and like mistresses and stuff like that yeah um and yeah like the show really hinges on this just this like petty like it's not even for good reasons it's just like it's not like they're worried that the other like the other organization is gonna fuck something up it's more just like no i want to be the person that gets the credit for taking down this right. organization so i'm not gonna help anybody else and like cool. That's what you want in yeah. government agencies, right? Yeah, exactly. An so, obsession <laughs> with getting all the glory. Yeah. So, uh, and there, there's like, like smaller things. Like they fight about whether you know terrorists, you know, like uh, like the bombing of the USS Cole or like the embassy bombings are like, is it a is it like a law enforcement matter or is it an act of war? Mm -hmm. And that determines, like, because that determines whether the FBI or the CIA handles it. And they, like, fight about that all the time. Right. Just, like, a bunch of old, petty white dudes, you know, yeah. fighting about stuff. Story um, of our lives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff Daniels being being just a pill again. Sure. Which I enjoy. I don't know if everybody else does. I'm Jeff I'm Daniels being it. a pill? Yeah. Okay. Just being like, uh, yeah, I'm here for it. I like it. Cool. That's a good recommendation. Um, yeah. Are you 
reading anything or listening to anything that you want to recommend? You've been busy with like music stuff, right? I have been. I just joined a band. Um, They haven't really like announced it. So I don't want to like say it because I don't want to step on anybody's toes. But yeah, I just started playing with a band. Um, So I just bought a didgeridoo. Unrelated, but (laughs) it is also a music thing. Um, uh, And yeah, so I've been like working on that and like uh, just like meeting with them a bunch uh working on music stuff um so i've been kind of focused on that um what have i been listening to uh i mean charles always already recommended it last week but the new cardi b album is very good it's great so fun. it's very good yeah um what did i listen to I don't really think i've been listening to much else i started listening to uh michelle mcnamara's uh book um okay I'll be gone in the dark, Patton Oswalt's. Oh yeah. Um, I've why heard is there no word for like you don't say ex-wife because she right. passed away, mm-hmm. so it's not like they separated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you would call him a widower, right? But there's no name for her. I always thought that was weird. But anyway, his yeah, I guess there's not really like a term. Wife. Like a deceased. The, yeah, his deceased, deceased wife. wife. Yeah. Um her book that they uh, sort of collectively a bunch of her friends and, and peers and Patton uh, finished together. Yeah. And it's great. It's so good. I it's, didn't really know that much about her. Unfo- I mean, I, I hate to say this, but I didn't know that much about her until she died. Right. Um, she was very big in the true crime community. Like I remember when she died, people were like devastated. Yeah. Yeah. I never really, I mean, I like true crime, but I wasn't really like, in that world per se like i didn't really like pay attention to it too much i just like that stuff mm-hmm. but like when she died when i you know all these uh things started coming out about her and like you know and i started looking into it and like i yeah apparently she's just like a really incredible true crime writer like i think she was very well respected and like she very is well um for being a great writer but also she was a amazing researcher and she actually she was the one who uncovered a, a really big key piece of evidence in the golden uh, uh the golden state killer case or the oh wow yeah the east area rapist is also the, his other name that he was known by um do you th- this is a good question because i'm uh, i'm interested in your take on this <laughs> like this you, is a good <laughs> you teamed your own question <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, what That's... a smart insightful <laughs> thing i'm about to say uh-huh. yeah um i meant more like it would be a good topic sure. of conversation sure um okay. do you because you listen to so much true crime stuff, both like book and podcast and stuff like that. Do you find that most true crime writers uh, like think of themselves sort of like amateur detectives? Yeah, I think so. You think so? Like I do. Yeah, and like do a lot of them look for like new information, or is it just like um, like, or is it just like trying to tell a story? I think the ones who cover serial killers who identity whose identities are still a mystery. Yeah have like their own theories and and stuff like that. Right. She definitely was more hardcore. Like she was going through, I I forget. I haven't gotten to the part in the book where they go into how she found this photo. Yeah. Yeah. But she found a photo of some cufflinks at a pawn shop and she recognized them from police evidence from one of the um, East Area Rapists victims. He would take stuff from their apartment and keep it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he took those pair of cufflinks. They were very unique and like engraved with initials. Yeah. And then they wound up at this pawn shop so that was like a pretty and obviously pawn shops keep records of like who came in with them and yeah stuff. so um they catch a lot of people on uh, law and order that way they do they catch a lot of people selling stuff at pawn shops that's what was so great about that moment <laughs> as she describes it in the book because it does seem like it's from like it <laughs> doesn't actually happen right that like that aha moment it happens so much so much shit gets sold at pawn shops in law and order like they find so much evidence you gotta sell it somewhere where are you gonna (laughs) sell it um that's great because i've always wondered like you know how much of true crime is just sort of like you know i don't want to i don't i don't mean to compare it to something like you know like torture porn or something like that but like just telling the story because they're like kind of salacious stories or like actually like investigating kind of on their own he was like 
I, I think all of the serial killer entertainment we have now is pretty much like the Zodiac killer. Yeah. Jack the Ripper and the East Area Rapist. Because he, he, I mean, and I, I don't want to like glorify him, but like he was pretty spectacular. He was a scary dude. Yeah. Very, very scary. Um, I mean, like, and the way she describes it, I mean, him just like, like one of the, one of the stories is like this woman's laying in bed with her kid. Oh, yeah. And she hears him like flicking the light switch in the hallway up and down. And then she hears him run down the hallway. And then she got, she gets up and she looks out the door and he's standing there, no pants, a ski mask on his face. And he's holding a knife. And what? she's just like, like it was terrifying. And he raped like, oh, for that we know about over 50 people. He oh killed 12 or 13. He just terrorizing communities. Like people installed floodlights because they were so scared of him. I mean, he like, people would hear him jumping over fences and running across roofs. Like he really like, was terrifying people. Those types of serial killers are the most interesting to me. The ones that feel like they're so in control that they're like actually inflicting forms of terror as opposed to like just like a mass murderer yeah, or something. Yeah, he, like, he was very, uh, like classic sociopath. Like yeah. the couple times he almost got caught, people said that he didn't run. He just calmly walked away. Yeah. Like he was very, very confident. Um and uh, the title of the book is from uh, like this young girl. She was like 16, was watching TV, and he walked up behind her. Oh my god! And he said, "Don't scream, or I'll kill you, and then I'll be gone in the dark." Wow. Um. So that's where the title's from. But it's it's really really. That is unbelievable. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, he was a scary dude. But um, I highly recommend it. It's really well written. Um. Don't listen to it at night <laughs> if you're alone. Um, I used to get so, you know what I used to love to do? And looking back on it, it was such a stupid, bad idea. But when I lived in Germany, we only got like a couple of channels on the television. Mm-hmm. And so there was like very limited programming we could watch. But they used to play a ton of unsolved mysteries. Oh, I would so watch good. that so late at night. And like, in my room alone in the dark and like like the old like the robert stack unsolved mysteries the best ones yeah yeah and that's because like the way it would work at the time i'm sure it's much different now but like they would basically like stuff would air in america and then they just would like ship it over to germany so we would get stuff like six months late yeah yeah. and then they would just get they would just have a ton of it to like play late so we they would just run it like kind of marathon style on 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 show on like the three channels that we got mm-hmm. so but yeah i used to watch so much of that so late and it's like it's on hulu now you can watch a bunch of it on hulu now um and what's funny is like i don't know if they were necessarily trying to be creepy but just like how shitty the graphics are and the music they use made it creepy yeah like the weird like like midi keyboard like music they use uh-huh. to just to ma- it's like terrifies me to this day when i hear it it's <laughs> just so- chilling yeah uh so guys we're gonna go to our interview with why am i saying our eric didn't do shit for this interview my interview it's all mine with mike trucker <laughs> uh please follow him on twitter at mike trucker please watch samantha b it's a great show um and also just really great people work for that show and it's not often i get to say that it's good quality, and the people who make it are also great people. That's true. So uh, here is Mike Drucker. touching base with some of my favorite people and I'm seeing what's making them happy right now. Um, Although I said that to somebody I recently interviewed and I I think the word happy is like throwing people off because shit is so terrible right now. So it doesn't necessarily have to be happy, but like what gives you solace or or peace or joy, however you choose to define like the meditative moments of your life. Um, let's start with what are you watching right now that sort of allows you to hit pause on 
the insanity of everything going on right now? Uh, I'm watching American Crime Story, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Oh, my God. I really want to watch that, and I haven't had a chance yet. It's good? It's very good. I think it's it's very different from The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's weird for me because I grew up in South Florida, so when it happened, it was on local news every day. Like, it was national news when Versace was murdered, but, like, the hunt for Andrew Cunanan was, like, just constant, constant local news. So, you know, I think for anyone else watching it, it's an interesting story because you like heard about it, but don't know the details. But for me, it's almost like the equivalent of the OJ Simpson show because I'm like, oh my God, I remember them saying that and this happening. I remember that happening. So it's, it's very <laughs> interesting. It's weird to like, be in such a bad place as a country that I'm nostalgic for other crimes. <laughs> yeah, but that's that a- is what it feels like. That's a really good point. I just remember that being like ultra dramatic. Like, didn't Andrew Cunanan say like, après moi de la luge, like when he committed the crime? Like, I just remember it being so theatrical. It's very, it's very theatrical. And the show itself borders on gross in a way. Like, there's definitely moments when you're like, you know, I don't know if this is accurate or if you're, sort of like adding very dramatic flourishes because mm. Andrew Cunanan himself was like, he was, you know, he was a pathological liar and he, you know, would make up stories about himself and he would sort of, you know, ingratiate himself in, you know, the gay community by, by lying to people about his, you know, experiences and his wealth and he would like trick people out of money. So it's hard to, it's hard to say whether or not they're, they're adding extra flourishes or if you're like oh well this was a person who constantly lied so this makes sense for the scenario Mm. um yeah i just i remember thinking like because i was pretty young when it happened so i don't know how much i was processing of it but it was weird that it certainly received national coverage but as you mentioned before it didn't receive like anywhere near the amount of coverage that oj simpson or like tanya harding and nancy kerrigan received and I do wonder if it was because it involved gay men and if the national media was just kind of like a little turned off for that reason. I think I think both gay men and, you know, and the mur- and the person murdered was a gay foreign man. Right. You know, so not only so he was almost twice removed from, you know, the, at the time, the normative American experience. Not only was he gay, but his killer was, you know, a- it was Asian-American. And he himself was Italian and also like a fashion designer, which mm. I think we're, I think as socially we're now much better at understanding what fashion is. Like even, even me, a pretty <laughs> sort of run of the mill, cis hetero guy, like I understand what the fashion industry is, but right. in the 1990s, I feel like someone like my dad would have been like, he's a fashion designer who can't, you know, like that sort of callous, <laughs> yeah, that sort of yeah. callous response, you know, was like not only, not only, you know, like if he was a, a movie star who was murdered and it was a gay movie star, I think it would have gotten much bigger coverage. But because he was, you know, Versace was foreign and he worked in an industry that was kind of, you know, not as well understood. And and because he was gay, I think it got sort of this coverage of like, look at this crazy event that happened to not to non-humans, but to an other. Yeah, it was almost like um, it, there was this attitude of, well, those are weird people. So, of course, weird things exactly. happen to them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Exactly. And what's what's interesting about what I really like about this, um, especially in comparison to O.J. Simpson, is what it does two things, two or three things very interestingly. First of all, it has sort of a memento type structure in that the first episode is the murder of Versace. And then they keep going back further and further back in time of both Versace and Andrew Cunanan. So, you know, you see sort of like Andrew Cunanan's, you know, he does something crazy and you're like, that's so crazy. And then it goes back an episode and you're like, oh, that's how he met that person where that he did that to. Oh. And it goes back an episode and you're like, oh, that person has a tragic story. And it does the same thing with Versace where it goes back an episode and, you know, like it covers Versace actually coming out. You know, because again, you and I were both super young. So to us, right. you know, this, you know, it was like, you know, Versace's gay, Liberace's gay. Everyone knows these men are gay. And like, you know, Whereas it does a good job of going back and being like, oh, you know, society, it wasn't a place where you could just be out. Like it was like for the idea for these men to come out was this amazing thing. So it actually does 
in inside a murder story, it does this good job of being like, oh, right. This was an impossibly difficult task for even a famous person sure. in the 90s. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um, Ryan Murphy wrote it, right? Uh, I don't know if he wrote it, but he definitely produced it. He produced might have written it. it. Okay, I just don't yeah. know if he wrote it. No, I was. I just thought that was interesting because he does that a lot with his show. I, if he did write it, um, yeah. where he yeah. he starts to follow like the secondary characters, and that's always really interesting. Right. Well, it also it also you know the fact that it does go back in time, I think, does a good job of of it does a, a much better job of humanizing Versace and demonizing Kunanen than it did in. The OJ, you know, the OJ special felt like, or the OJ special, the OJ miniseries kind of felt like almost a companion piece to the documentary OJ made in America. Yes. Like, I feel like we all watched it all at once and we were like, oh, I get why this is that. Whereas this feels like its own standalone thing. And because of that, it, it does a very good job of being like, Versace wasn't just this fashion designer who was murdered. He was this guy who did this and he did this and he, you know, like, and I didn't know he had HIV. Like, you know, like it right. discusses all these very interesting things in this very like, you know, it would have been so easy um, in lesser hands to, and it isn't perfect, but it would have been so easy for it to just be like, this was this flamboyant man. He had this relationship with a psychopath and the psychopath killed him. Let's see what happened. You know, whereas right. instead it's like, we all know the psychopath killed him. Let's figure out how these two men got to that point. Yeah. The HIV so, positive status thing is so interesting because I do remember the media covering that a little bit, but it was in a way that was like meant to further villainize Andrew Cunanan. Yeah. 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 Like he was deliberately yeah. infecting men with HIV. That's the way it was kind of presented. Right. Um, and, and the special, and I keep saying the special miniseries. Um, I'm still, I still think of television as it's 1987 where everything's <laughs> a special or a series. Um, but it does this excellent job of like, you know, like, I'm not a fashion person. I don't understand, you know, like, I understand what the fashion industry does, but I'm not, like, deeply invested in it. But the way it, you know, you you care about Gianni Versace. Like, mm. four or five, I'm only five of it since then, but you care about him. And you're like, oh, and, like, Donatella, his sister, like, you're like, oh, you understand why she, you know, afterwards did this and that. And it's so interesting. And, you know, the flip side is, instead of Andrew Cunanan just being, like, this, like, random crazy person who, like, you know, blipped into history you get this very you're like oh my god this guy didn't just like him killing versace was one of the least horrifying things he did as a killer right so you get all these other moments where you're like oh my god like the things leading up to this are the real horror you know the more any murder is a horror but you know what i mean like the things that led up to it are so tragic and so sad and so awful that you understand it better um that said it does it definitely does wallow in it a little bit. Mm. So, you know, if either you have a weak stomach or if, you know, the idea of something sort of making campiness out of a real tragedy can be bad, that definitely happens at one or two points where you're like, we are, this may be true, but we're also enjoying that it's true a little too much. Oh, so I, there I, are I do feel like, but I also feel like that's all of true crime entertainment, right? Like, Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. so aware that I'm doing that. I'm obsessed with true crime podcasts and like right. I'll catch right. myself frequently where I'm like, I'm just enjoying this and it's kind of fucked up, right. but also I can't help it. You know, like I find it fascinating. Um, not that yeah. like, I mean, it, it's, it's weird and it's hard to explain to people, but like there's two halves of my brain where it's like, I enjoy it, but also I'm a very passive right kind person I like to think and I, I don't like seeing people actually get hurt and if like I witnessed right. anything in real life I would be horrified but also I like it as entertainment it's very I'm complicated is what I'm saying no it's, it's complicated it's and and there's definitely a full discussion that I'm sure a thousand people are having in a thousand universities <laughs> about true crime right the popularity of true crime because like I have I literally have true crime podcasts that I'll listen to while I'm like you know, doing my laundry or cleaning my apartment. Yes. And it's almost like, oh, this is passive entertainment that I can just <laughs> passively listen to. And I don't need to be, you know, like, like, uh, you know, I, I signed up for Audible and I have a ton of audiobooks, but I have trouble listening to them because you have to focus. You know what I mean? You have to yes. like pay attention. Whereas like a true crime podcast, you can like dip out for five minutes while you're like concentrating on something, dip back in and you get it. But at the same time, that's like, it's sad that for me, like, fictional books 
I'm like, ah, that takes too much work. I'm just going to listen to a real person's death story. I know. Because I don't have uh, to give as much commitment. It's awful. Like, I just downloaded the audiobook for George Saunders' new book, and I've been procrastinating so badly listening to it. And I'm like, what is my fucking deal? And I think it's exactly what you just said, which is I'm busy. Like, I listen to podcasts on the subway. I'm very distracted. It's easy to listen to to two hosts talk about a murder but if i have to follow a narrative i'm suddenly like wait what happened who is this character what's going on right um exactly speaking of podcasts uh what are you listening to right now whether it's music or podcasts um podcast wise uh i listen to i've been listening to one called slow burn by slate which is a podcast about the watergate uh the watergate scandal um, cool. You know, yeah, well, I have this pet peeve, which is that I hate when anybody left or right or center compares something to Watergate because mm-hmm. it just feels like an easy stand in where it's like, this is the worst thing since Watergate. Um, but then I was having a discussion at work at, at Samantha B where I was like saying that pet peeve. And then someone brought up basically that like, yeah, people don't even really know what Watergate was about. And I was kind of like, Oh fuck! I don't even really know what Watergate was. You know what I mean? Like I know like the broadest movie strokes, but I don't know like you know I know there were tapes and I know there was a break in, but I didn't know like the minutia of it. Right. Um. So so I was mentioning that, and someone mentioned this podcast, and it's it's very interesting because it basically reminds you that at the time Watergate, you know, it's 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 not necessarily analogous to Trump scandals, but. Similarly, at the time, there were people when it was happening who were like, this is a distraction or who cares? Mm. Or, yeah, they were breaking into the DNC, but, you know, the Democrats were going to lose anyway. Sort of almost similar to the Russian email thing now where people are like, well, Democrats would have lost anyway, where you're like, that's right. But this thing they did is still illegal. Like, you can both think that they ran a poor campaign, but also there was illegal interference. Yeah, I mean, there um, is the nutty, nutty footage of Nixon addressing Congress saying, I have fully cooperated with the investigation and him getting a standing ovation from both parties. Where it was like, right. this man and, broke the law. <laughs> and Congress was like, can we just yeah. move on? <laughs> well, and it, it, it's, a, it's an interesting podcast. because Yeah, exactly. Like, you get all these moments where you're like, you know, polls that were like, most Americans were like, don't talk about it. Or like, you know, they were tired of late night shows making jokes about it. Or, you know, even that it was close to falling apart until like chance by chance by chance, they discovered that the tapes existed. Mm. Um, Because I think retro, you know, with any, and this involves, you know, any crime, I feel like retrospectively, it's like, you know, sort of like, well, we all knew, like everyone knew that he was guilty. Everyone knew. And, you know, it's interesting to hear it from a perspective of like, you know, there's, they tell the story of um, this woman who was married to a prominent politician and how their relationship fell apart because he was helping cover it up and she thought it was wrong. And how, like, even though she, like, distanced herself, her life was ruined by it because at the time she was branded as, like, just a gossip. You know what I mean? Like, they were like, mm. oh, this woman who wants to talk about this thing is just a giant gossip. You know, so her life was ruined while she was trying to do the right thing and her husband's life was ruined while he was trying to do the wrong thing. Ugh. Um so there's all these interesting stories to it. Um, and the nice thing about it is, uh, as far as we know, like, no one was really murdered. So it's like a true crime podcast <laughs> about not a murder. As far not as we know. As far as we know, yeah. As far as we know. So, someone definitely died. <laughs> but uh, like 100%. Yeah, I, it's inevitable, really. Um, what are you reading right now? Um, let me grab it out of my bag because I'm yeah. going to... I, I picked it up at Barnes & Noble and uh, it's... I. I've been like sort of like in this bad cycle of picking up books that I think are good for me. And then I don't finish them. <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh, I'll pick up this, like, you know, 400 page book on political theory and then just not finish it. Oh, um, so I saw this at Barnes Noble and it's called six, four by Hideo uh, Yokoyama. And it's a Japanese novel translated into English about like, it's like basically a crime novel, hmm. not true crime, just a crime novel. And I saw like all these accolades on the cover and I was kind of like, Oh, I don't read many crime novels, but I like true crime stories. So I picked it up and it's been good. Very cool. Um, and yeah. finally, do you have anything to plug other than Samantha B, which is a great show that everybody should watch? Thank you. Uh, yeah, definitely. Please watch Samantha B. We're back with new episodes in March. And, um, 
my own podcast, How to Be a Person, uh, where <laughs> me and my co-host, Jess Dweck, talk to people who teach us human skills that we never really learn. Oh, my God. I didn't know um, you guys host a podcast together. We do. We do. We do. It is the poorest made podcast in America. Oh, it is that's a awesome. train wreck every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so um, cool. Yeah. yeah, I love yeah. the name. So, Great name. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for doing the show. Sure. Um, you're the best. Yeah, thank you for having me. So nice talking Appreciate to you. It. it was nice talking to you, too. Thanks again to Mike. Uh, once again, give him a follow. Watch Samantha B. So, Eric, yeah. it's that time. Oh, boy. We got to get to it. All right. Here is your bad news. So, obviously, the big bad news story... I don't like big bad news story. <laughs> Not a fan of how I said that. Sorry, everyone. That sounds like a like a children's book. The about big bad the news. news. The big bad news. Yeah. Um, the strikes in Syria. Oh boy. And how Trump very stupidly uh, said mission accomplished. Honestly, you know, I just really love living in a time where you can never be totally sure. If the president's launch, launching, you know, um, missile strikes on a country out of sheer personal pettiness or like to distract from do another you, story. Do you buy into that conspiracy theory? I don't think it's a conspiracy so much as it is. I think he's an irrational. Yes. Uh, adult Dumbass. baby. Yeah. And maybe it's not as thought out as like, oh, I'm being investigated. So I need to take it. I don't know if it's like a wag the dog situation. Mm hmm. But I do feel like he's the type of person that, like, lets those emotions, like, run his life. And yes. so, like, I think it plays into it. I think he's, like, more irrational and more, like, uh, erratic. Mm -hmm. And um, he's also – somebody made this point one time, and I thought it was so smart because it, it's, like, Trump's the type of person that, you know, he's giving a speech and, you know, somebody cheers. And he's like, oh – Oh, I did good. Right. And so also, I need to keep doing that. Yes. Like, that's what you people want. Yes. And he just wants to be liked. He wants to be liked. And so, like, that's why, honestly, I never, I really, I tend to, like, stray away from, like, semantic conversations. But I do think with Trump, it is so dangerous. Like, when he does some shit like this, when people come out, like, he looks so presidential. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Because I'm like, how many times are we going to have this same situation where... The president oversees something barbaric like airstrikes that aren't going to do shit to help the Syrians and, in fact, is going <clears> to <throat> slaughter thousands of them. Mm -hmm. And these fucking idiot pundits get on air and they're like, my God, look at how presidential. He I know. Is. And what did he do that was presidential? I mean, obviously, it's keeping with the theme of the presidency. I mean, yes, going to war is like, like uh, yeah, yeah. But he like sat in a room and he didn't shit himself. Yeah. That we know of. That I mean, hey. Hey. I don't have any evidence to the contrary. Um, and the pundits start falling all over themselves to call him presidential. It's like, how are they not embarrassed to be doing this again? I mean, down to the mission accomplished shit. Yeah. It's and like, didn't you learn your lesson the first time? Trump is really the kind of person I, I feel like if he gets like a ratings bump mm -hmm. or a, what do you what do you call it? Uh, approval polls, approval, oh, like, approval yes. ratings. Yeah. Yes. If he gets a bump, like he's just that like singular minded and one to one thinking. It's like I bombed a country, my ratings went up, so I have to keep doing that. You know what I mean? It's like that. He's just that kind of person that has that sort of singular thinking. It's like people like me when I do this, so I need to keep doing it. That's why he's so dangerous. Right. Yeah. And also, I don't. I don't I don't love conspiracy theories, but did you see? There are some good ones. You did you get. see the Reuters report that the sites of the uh, Syrian airstrikes um, were evacuated uh, several days before the strikes? Oh, I did not read that. Yeah, it, normally I would not buy into that stuff, but it was reported in Reuters, which is right pretty uh, upstanding. Legit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, somebody, uh, an official, uh, said that they got word from uh, the Russians. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing where people are like, see, there can't be any collusion because Trump's being tough on Syria, a regime that's backed by Russia. Yeah. So, but there's all that stuff going on behind the scenes where it's like, yeah, we don't know like how much of this is theater and yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to tell, but there's yeah, there's reports going around now that like all the sites that got bombed had been evacuated several days before, based on reports from the Russians to the Syrians, yeah, um, that of where they were going to strike. Uh, wow, and so. I don't know if it's necessarily like a conspiracy, but it is sort of like, wow, this is, you know, crazy. Like it's, you know, it, how much of it is theater and how much of it is like just willful ignorance or incompetence, you know? Oh, yeah. Here it is. Uh, guys, Eric's not lying. Uh, pro Assad official says targeted bases were evacuated on Russian warning. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's, you know. It's just everything's crazy. That's what I'm trying to <laughs> yeah. say. That's what, that, I don't know what else. I don't know if I should yeah call it like this is the bad news section so much as the it's everything's crazy section. Everything's just crazy. And wow. what's what's so weird about this administration is like there's to uh, to relate to something you and I both do yes. comedy writing and stuff like that. Great. Finally. You know how you know how when you're Bring it back to comedy writing. You know how you're, you're like writing something like a sketch or, or a piece or something and you're trying to make it more and more absurd and you get to a point where you're like, well, I can't do Heighten. that because that's, right. like, that's too absurd. Right. Then, yeah, it's the, we're or, in crazy town. Yeah, now, we're, yeah. In, yeah. The it, Trump administration didn't get that note. It's like, it feels like heightening it, too much. It feels like there's, you, there have been several points in the past like year and a half where I'm like, it cannot possibly go. There's no way to top a potential P tape and <laughs> paying off a porn star through official government money. Oh yeah, we we didn't even get to talk about that. And it's like it can't possibly get crazier than that. And somehow that's not the most that's not the biggest news story because more crazy things have happened. Yeah, guys, we didn't even. Oh my god! And now there's a report. Is that good news or bad news? Where do I, I put the know. P tape stuff? Uh, I think the potential existence of a P tape. Good news. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll save that for the next segment. But also, there's like a report now that Michael Cohen also arranged like a 1.6 million dollar payout for an abortion. <laughs> yeah. The yes. and there and there might be. I also read a report. There might be extra Trump kids that we don't know about. Oh, there for sure are, yeah. And like, what is happening? I know. That, it. you know what it is? It's like, um, if the Trump administration was a show, we would be like, they jumped the shark. If you brought this script, this exact script, to the House of Cards table, yeah. they'd be like, w get out. Too much. Why are we, ha you What is this, fired. a bad soap opera? <laughs> like, what, if there's like a love child now? Like, no, I can't. No, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much Trump administration. Then they'd cancel it and we'd all be like, yay. Yeah. But it's not going to happen, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. So did you have anything else about Syria or should we get to... It's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 I thought it was... I mean, I thought... Oh, it was... I think this is an important note. Um, I just did what you did where I'm like, I'm about to say something very smart. Hey, this is a very good uh, thing to say. Um, We... And by we, I mean the U.S. had already been bombing Syria for many years, and we've already killed thousands of, of civilians there. Oh, also, it should be said because I feel like people get this complaint all the time. I'm not pro Assad. <laughs> like I don't, right. I don't, I don't think saying that maybe we what shouldn't be bombing Assad? Syria is because we love Assad and what he's doing. You, you know what I mean? Be like, your boyfriend? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got no, a strong jaw. Assad's <laughs> a fucking piece of shit, but the solution is not to kill civilians in Syria. But also, anybody the only people we should asking should be asking how do we help are we should be asking Syrians. Yeah. Well, and, it, and they're never represented on television panels. It's people like speculating about how Syrians feel about Assad. Well, it's also like it's so like you couldn't ask for a better juxtaposition of a, of an administration than the almost 
exactly a year ago, I would say. Maybe, I mean, my timeline might be off, but basically a year ago, like, the big scandal for the Trump administration was how they were denying Syrian refugees. Yes. And how Syrian refugees were dying because they weren't being led in the country. And, you know, uh, that hor- the horrific images of the Syrian uh, boat that had capsized <sighs> and, like, they were washing up on shore. And the dad with his kid's body. Yeah. And, like, all those terrible images. And we were, like, flat out denying them entry to the country, denying them asylum, mm-hmm. denying them refugee status. And then a year later... He's trying to convince us that he loves Syria so much right. and that he's trying to do he's this for the a, best. A bleeding heart yeah, politician it's like, now, yeah. And now it's like, okay, cool. So now you're going to go in, you're going to bomb a bunch of places in Syria. You're going to de- you've are I mean, with the first strike that they did took out civilian buildings. Right. Like it happened as soon as he announced the strikes. There were already reports of civilian deaths. And it's like, cool, so now all these people are going to be displaced, and then you're not going to let them in mm. to be a refugee here. Certainly not. Yeah, there was already like a bunch of fake photos and photos from the Iraq invasion being shown by people. Like, oh, There's already like a ton of fake news out there, too. So be careful of what you're retweeting, everyone. I'm just not going on the internet anymore. Neither. Everyone's a liar. <laughs> like, honestly, it it really feels like the fake news thing is like a tar like not necessarily like a targeted attack on anything so much as it is like a general campaign to make sure you don't believe in any sort of reality. Yeah, I mean, and that is truly one of the goals of an authoritarian regime. So like, you don't know who to believe or who to trust, and it causes confusion. Oh, and- did you see? Uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, Sanders, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Is that the current press yes. person? Mm-hmm. Tweeted a picture of the Situation Room right before the Syrian attacks. It looks like a exact replica of when the Obama administration. Yeah, but did you see what came out after that? No. So she tweeted it, and somebody, somebody just reposted the photo, and was like, "Uh, Mike Pence was in Peru during the Syrian attacks." Oh, my pants so, is in the picture, so that couldn't possibly have been the meeting. So where the hell is that photo from? Probably just some random fucking meeting they were having. It also, but the way it's staged, it looks exactly. It looks exactly like the photo, yeah. Yeah, when the Obama administration was watching um, the, the Bin Laden, uh, the Bin Laden raid. Yeah, yeah it looks exactly. Yeah, and then but like yeah, somebody's like, uh, I don't know when this meeting was, but Mike Pence was not in the country during the God, Syrian. I love when someone is so on their shit like that and yeah. just absolutely obliterates someone. It's like, why? Why? What point was there to even post that fucking photo? So like, why did you know Mike Pence was not in the cut? That's so awesome that you knew that. Yeah. Um, so guys, let's get to, and I hope you're jumping up and down because I'm very excited to bring it to you. Your good news. <laughs> So we already alluded to this, but P-tape. guys, the P tape's real. This is by far the most. It's a hundred percent real. This <laughs> like, is like the most concrete ev- evidence we've had so far. Um, a key part of uh, Michael Steele's uh, dossier was his claim that Michael Cohen had visited Prague um, as part of like this meeting to arrange. Um, securing the p-tape and making sure the p-tape didn't get out totally normal behavior totally normal behavior you send your lawyer to prague Mm -hmm. so the world doesn't find out you like to be beat on Mm -hmm. um so and uh, you know uh, michael cohen his lawyer denied this he hilariously tweeted a photo of his passport (laughs) cover i don't know why but he was like i've never been to prague and then just a photo of his passport. <laughs> Not the inside of the passport to show there's no stamps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the cover of his passport. W- what? Okay. <laughs> so it turns out uh, he's a liar and he was in Prague. They proved he was in Prague. They proved he's in Prague. Um, Mueller has the evidence showing that he did indeed travel there during August or September of 2016, which is exactly what... Uh, Steele alleged in his dossier. And this came out at the same time that uh, James Comey 
had confirmed that Trump came to him and like said, I can't quote it verbatim, but basically said, can you investigate this P tape th- thing for me? <laughs> so Melania knows it isn't real, which is exactly part. what you would say if you definitely hadn't done that sure. and knew for sure that it wasn't real. Sure. And I love that he expects us to believe that he suddenly cared about his wife. Yeah. And it's all for Melania. Like not for me. I, I don't care, but Melania just can't sleep at night thinking I get peed on. So I think also somebody also around the same time like had a quote from Melania where she said she was like ninety nine percent sure it wasn't real. It's like ninety nine percent. Are you ninety nine percent sure? Ninety nine percent sure. Um. Yeah. So obviously that is just tremendous news. I wonder. I want to like. Are we ever going to actually see it though? Do you think? I don't know. I would like to be. <sighs> Come on, dark web. What are you for? I really would love to just like. I want to see the person. I wish I could just like fly on the wall, be around the person that currently has possession of the tape, knowing that it's like so part over. Here's and stuff. what I here's what drives me nuts. So I don't believe there's one copy, right? Because if you not. have something like that, you make like fifty oh, copies. So many copies yeah. and you bury one in the desert, and you give the other like thirty to your friends and say, "If anything happens to me, release yeah, the right, tape." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there are probably copies of this thing everywhere. Well, the original conspiracy theory is that the Russians have them, and the they're Russians using it. Yes, he knows they have it, and they told them they have it, and they're using it as leverage for right. those types of things. And, but I just love that Trump, the master like negotiator, can't figure out a way to be like, all right, I'm going to do this one last thing for you guys, but I want the master copy <laughs> yeah, of yeah, that tape, yeah. man. I mean, they're never going to give that up. No. That's like their yeah. Um, so the other piece of good news is Stormy Daniels' lawyer, Michael uh, Avnati, um, has been touring cable news, telling everybody to hold on to their butts. <laughs> he told Joy Reid that the Trump uh, NDAs will get well into the double digits, all while marveling that Michael Cohen is a miraculously incompetent fart. This is in Jezebel, in case you couldn't tell. And, like, I have no idea what information he has. Like, well, look, I mean, but it, he's been alluding to Kremlin ties. Here's he, the th- he's like calling Trump like a mob boss. Um, he announced that Stormy Daniels will be attending a hearing on Monday on whether to grant Michael Cohen a temporary restraining order against prosecutors who are investigating the seized documents. Here's, yeah. here's the way I see it. Okay. It, regardless of like what he said or like even what the facts of the case are <laughs> i it's so extraordinary that you have this guy with ev naughty uh, yeah i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right um Avenatti, but, i think yeah so you have this lawyer okay his client is a, a porn star yes which, total respect yep uh not i don't mean that in any derogatory way just that's your client yep. who's alleging well, not alleging it happened, but slept with the president, mm-hmm. taking on the most powerful man in the world. And you're going on national television confident as hell. Confident as hell. I, some you got to have some shit. Golden State Killer confidence. Yeah. Like, you got to. <laughs> <laughs> not appropriate. But you got to have, like, you got to have some shit to be that deep. Like, if you were to, like, look at this case of, like, if you didn't know any of the context and you just came, you like threw somebody in, you're like, okay, you're a lawyer, okay? You're representing a porn star who's alleged to have slept with the president and then was given hush money to keep it quiet, but now is not doing it and is trying to violate her NDA. Yeah. You're like, go. Right. You would be shitting your pants. Yeah. You'd be like, that's too much. <laughs> like, yeah. But he's going out there and like, aggressively and just swinging like, for the just fences. going after people which leads me to believe that he's got some shit well that's the thing like at first when this all happened it was like okay the president slept with a porn star and was paying her off to keep it quiet that was the original story um and then all the shady details came out about him acting like a mob boss and sending like thugs after her to threaten her mm-hmm. and stuff like that like very bad but now I'm like, what else happened? Also, with that story, like <laughs> the sending people, it's like, it's like Trump's administration are all extras from The Godfather. 
Well, that's so that's what Avenatti was joking about. And then also um, Comey said that, too. Yeah. He said he felt like he was sitting with like a mob boss talking to Trump. Somebody tweeted a picture of Cohen the other day after after all this had happened. And he was just like wearing some fucking stupid plaid blazer. And he was uh, just like sitting with a bunch of dudes on the sidewalk in Brooklyn. Just like just like old Italian guys just hanging out. It's like. All the, they've seen one movie. <laughs> they've all seen exactly one movie and just think that's what the world is. Do you think like, you know how every dude in college, freshman year, has a poster of like Scarface? Oh, yeah. Do you think that's actually the White House now? They've got like post like unframed posters taped oh, up absolutely. on their office walls of Scarface and The Godfather, like Fight Club. Yes. <laughs> Boondock Saints. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> Because, like, you don't know they're the same person. Yeah. And then you do. Uh-huh. I knew in the first five minutes of watching Fight yeah. Club they were the same person. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Um, so before we go for the day, is there any um, piece of advice or anything you overheard or saw that made you happy lately? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I asked that to someone the other day, and they had a, I'm spacing on who it was or what they said, but they had a really good answer, and I was like, oh, that's fun. Um, I should ask that more. Is there a Christmas tree on the curb outside here? Is that a Christmas tree? Uh, By the fire hydrant? I don't think so. Okay. I was like, damn. Wait, actually, yeah. It, I think that's it a is. Christmas tree, right? Yeah. Guys, for you, it's April 16th. It's hella brown, too. Wow. Sorry, I just saw um. that. That's mine. That's my answer of something I saw recently. I saw someone put out a Christmas tree on April 16th. Um, well, I got I uh I got home very late last night cuz I uh Oh, did you, Eric? Yeah, I got home very late. Did you get home at 4 o'clock in the morning? I got home at 2:30 having been up since 6:30. All right. Um, it's pretty late. I covered uh I I uh, helped a friend out and worked at the UCB theater. Um, and I got home very late, uh, but I got home basically exactly at the same time that the live stream of Beyonce's, uh, <gasps> Coachella stream was, was happening. Was it amazing? It was I didn't get to honestly see it yet. incredible. We don't deserve her. We really don't. Um, she had a whole, um, HBCU marching band on stage uh, with her. Yeah, she did. Uh, and they sounded, I love Beyonce, but. The band sounded honestly I'm sure. incredible. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't think people appreciate how hard it is to make a marching band sound good. Oh, it's very uh, difficult. That's why they there's sound, competitions about it. Yeah. If you've, I, I mean, I was in a uh, marching band for a long time, and then you know did like orchestra. What did stuff you ever. play? I played tuba. Hell yeah. Uh, most I would I would go on record as saying most marching bands sound like butt. <laughs> wow strong words like it's not that they're bad it's just like people don't take like people don't like the wind blowing a weird way will make your instrument sound like shit right it throws off like your tuning and your intonation and like you have like you know 50 to 200 people and they all have to be exactly in tune with each other and sometimes you're, you're carrying a very large heavy instrument yeah um, say a tuba yeah it's tough mm-hmm. um but like it's really hard to sound good as a marching band. And so like a lot of larger bands can get away with like just playing loud and kind of heavy and it sounds cool. But in general, it's like, it's, they, the, the band that was on stage with her was like, they were so good. Yeah. They were like, they sounded great. They were very like crisp. Like, like they were like, they were just in time with each other and we're just honestly just incredible. That's awesome. I got to check it out. Uh, I found out the other day that one of my teammates at UCB has a friend who's Beyonce's backup dancer. Whoa. And I was like, well, I lost my fucking mind. She also is in Janelle Monet's new video, Pink. Ooh. I was like, what a fucking awesome life. Wow. Like, I know she probably works incredibly hard. Um, oh, I'm sure. But also, I'm like, you got to be in Janelle fucking video and you're Beyonce's backup dance what a dope fucking life that's pretty incredible yeah guys um I need to go that's all I can think about now I'm like I need to go 
see Beyonce perform at Coachella. I have you ever th- been to Coachella? No. Nor have I. I the think because we're good people. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the only time I ever considered flying out and going was the year that Rage Against the Machine reunited. Oh, geez. Yeah. We were like, me and a bunch of friends were like, seriously, like working on like, can we afford this? Like, yeah. can we do it? And then we just decided not to. Right. Um, I honestly don't, I don't like music festivals. Uh, I agree for the most part. Um, uh, just like, I mean, I've been to Bonnaroo twice. I went two years in a row. It was not that fun. I got to see some, the, the big benefit of a music festival is that they're such big events that a lot of times they put on like one of a kind performances Right. Um, that you wouldn't get to see on like a touring show True. or like, a club or whatever. So, um, you know, like uh, one of the year, I the first year I went, I went specifically because uh, Sigur Ross was playing, and at the time they had not been touring in the states, so I hadn't had an opportunity to see them. So it was like, oh, I'm gonna go because this is. Also, I lived very close; like I lived within like two hours oh, of, sure, of sure, where yeah. Bonnaroo was. So it was like, oh, I can pay that's so convenient a stupid amount of money, but yeah. like. I can go and see uh, Cigarros and they were doing this cool like late night set at like one in the morning. So I was like, Oh, that'd be really nice. It'll be fun. Um, and then like, um, got to see like public enemy and stuff like that. Just like they put on like cool, like, you know, um, performances like that. But in general, it's like music doesn't sound good outside. Yeah, I, like, yeah, that's true. It, I also like those really big festivals because it's just a weird combination of acts. Yeah, sometimes it's like Sigaros and Kanye, and it's just like what? I think the one thing that Bonnaroo does really well because they have so much land to work with, they really space out their stages in a way where you don't get a ton of bleed from the other acts. So if you're standing and watching one band, you don't. You can hear obviously there's like background stuff, but like nothing that interferes with the music. I never had an issue. I've heard of festivals like I heard that's a big problem at Lollapalooza because um, mm-hmm. it's like crammed in. So it's like sometimes you'll be watching a band and like if they're like a softer band, you're like literally getting bleed from the band on the other stage, like covering up, right, right. you know, some other musicians. So, but Bonnie was really good about the way it's all spaced out. You don't run into those issues, and like it was a fun time. It wasn't like an unenjoyable experience, but like mm-hmm. if you like actually enjoy watching music i think it's just not like if you if you care at all about like how it sounds and stuff like that it's just not good yeah how the uh how was the tuba player doing in beyonce's marching oh they had a whole tuba line they had oh, i think i think they what did they have 10 tubas damn that's a lot of tubas um i like a good horn section yeah and tubas are really big um uh a uh, part of like HBCU marching bands. Um, it's like a really big integral instrument. Um, uh, and they're damn good. Hell yeah. Everybody go check that out. Please follow Eric on Twitter at Eric E R E K underscore Smith. That's Please me. follow Mike Drucker. Um, support the show. If you can go to light news, sign up for as little as $5 a month or a one-time donation to keep us going. If you have been enjoying the show, if you would like to see future episodes, I need your support to keep going. So uh, please go do that. And we should have merch up on the website soon. Oh, shit. So that'll be cool. We're going to get tongues out, drugs out, sleeveless shirts. I don't feel ethically (laughs) like I can do it because it's Chloe's idea. But Nate drew up some art for I it. Saw. I saw. I sent it to Chloe. I was like, "You should I'm make gonna these shirts." Demi- I'm gonna force Chloe to make it. She should make a T-shirt. But it was Chloe's idea, so I, I didn't want to take credit for that. it. <laughs> I, right? I know that's a great slogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, man, Chloe texted me this morning. And she's like, oh, "I'm not feeling great," and I was like, "Hmm, hmm." Seems You guys, you guys asked me if I wanted to hang out. I was like, "Wait, when I get off work?" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, wants like, to be out." I was like, at we get, said that before we had started drinking because yes. we knew how late we were going to be. I was at. like, I get out of the theater at like one a.m. You're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, we'll just come out. over. And I was like, that's yeah, yeah. no, yeah, what? come out, come out, uh, guys, don't drink. Um, <laughs> and thanks for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>